This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome to Spice Bags, where three opinionated ladies, Blanca, May and me, Dee, have a dish about food in Ireland from an international perspective. The Headstuff Podcast Network is Ireland's largest podcast network, which we are part of and delighted to be part of. It's a collective of shows covering everything from comedy to true crime, arts and culture to politics and food, interview shows to narrative storytelling. If you're a fan of this show and any shows that are on the network, you can join Headstuff Plus. Headstuff Plus is the one-stop shop for everything on the network and by becoming a member you can get behind the scenes access, bonus episodes, exclusive interviews, early access to events or merchandise and lots more. It's only five euros per month plus VAT and when you sign up no matter what show or shows you are supporting you still get access to everything. So all the bonus material for all the shows on the network. I know from our perspective that we have lots of bonus material for episodes such as with Ahmed Didi, our interview with him on Turkish cuisine, and also lots of other snippets of audio from on a variety of topics that we love making and we just know that you're going to love as well. So for all these details, and you can go onto our page and onto other people's pages, it's on headstuffpodcast.com. Sign up today. Welcome to Spice Bags. In this episode, we're going to talk about all things utensils. May, Dee, and I have noticed that we don't always see eye to eye on what are the key utensils that you need in the kitchen. For example, Dee loves heart-shaped tins and small baking tins. May loves her Chinese ingredients, chop, uh, Chinese woks and uh, chopsticks. And I love my Thermomix because I'm a lazy, very tired mom. So we're going to discuss ridiculous utensils. We're going to discuss male utensils. We've talked to people in different places and locations to tell us about what are the best-selling utensils in Ireland and Spain. So the first thing we're going to start off with is practical utensils. Let the war begin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You mentioned your Thermomix, so let's talk about that. Is Is that practical or is that is that really practical? I mean... I feel like people judge me because I have a thermomix. I mean, no, I'm joking. There's so many cool things you can do with it. No, I love a thermomix. I love a thermomix. It's definitely practical, but it's also extravagant. Isn't it a bit extravagant? Well, first of all, let's explain what a thermomix is. A thermomix is a German machine that does absolutely everything. It's the smallest kitchen in the world. It crushes, it blends, it steams. (laughs) To me, it's food porn at its best. Yes, I do not sell thermomix. Um, (laughs) But anyway, a friend, a common friend of ours told me that when she met me, she thought I was in a cult because I love thermomix so much. Um, Anyway, I think as a mom of young children, uh, you need a Thermomix uh, in the same way that your husband needs a green egg. I'm joking about that. Uh, I don't think men need a green egg. Is it not just more that there are more practical or not practical, but sorry, should I use the word cheaper? Like in terms of budget, like that a Thermomix is quite expensive. Like it's it's definitely an an investment. Sorry, it's an investment piece. And I think that a lot of people that I know who are 
like Blanca, you are, are an accomplished cook, like an accomplished chef. I'm just saying that the people I know who have thermomixes are all people who are very much accomplished in the kitchen and who have had some form of training or who work in the industry. Whereas I don't know a lot of like my ordinary friends who just love to cook that would actually invest in a thermomix or something like that. That's why I feel like on my, for me, it's more of an extravagant utensil. I'm not saying it's not practical. I was going to say that um, with, I think, a number of my friends with children. I mean, and yes, like they, they cook, but like they love the Thermomix because it is something that, you know, they, they work, they have kids. Blanca, you were going to say something. They work, they have kids and it's, you know, and the Thermomix, you know, you can put something in, you can program it and you can let it go and you don't have to worry. Yeah. Right. You're not standing over a stove. You're not like fretting about like whether, you know, you've left the oven on if you, before you leave the house. You can even get, you know, your whatever, your 11 year old to program something to do. And that I think is like very, I think it's worth it. Oh, no, it's I, um, I completely agree. I just think that maybe there's a lot of people who use um, maybe less uh, cheaper versions of it, just for different budgets. That's all I'm saying for different um Different, different. I just used to think that it was, yeah. I just in Spain, it's very popular. In Italy, I think uh, once I had a family, uh, I felt that it saved a lot of time, and it was a safe thing. You could walk away from it. You can't really walk away from a gas stove. But anyway, what other things do we think are like practical? Well, I also want to say, just um, Blanca, I loved your intro, but I have never owned a walk in my life. I no, I was thinking about your chopsticks. I know, I know you don't have know, a walk. I've never, yeah, I like my mother has never owned a walk. It was really interesting when she, when also I think we, um, you know, during when she had, you know, went to her, her second marriage, like she never owned a rice cooker. She never owned a walk. And that's definitely something that's carried on in my family. However, the one Asian thing that I have is that I need chopsticks and I cannot make bacon without chopsticks. Like that's the one thing. It's like if I don't have chopsticks and there's bacon, I freeze. How do you make bacon like, I, with chopsticks? You just you just use it to turn the bacon. Instead like, of tongs. Instead of tongs. But like tongs are just so clumsy. Like, no, I need my chopsticks from the bacon. It's- I need tongs. I need tongs. And I also yeah. um need a wok. I love the wok. I love a I wok. I just yeah. think that's amazing. The wok as a utensil is probably a really practical thing for me just because I love to do, um, I suppose like the, obviously the, the, you would have the stereotypical dishes that you would do in there, but also because it's like a deeper pan, I use it for some dishes like curries and things that are, I want to fry some stuff first and then there's going to be a lot of gravy or sauce, you know, so I just find it really practical from that perspective. But yeah, I would definitely always make sure I always have a walk in my kitchen. Do you have anything? Yeah. Do you have anything uh, ridiculous, Blanca, in your kitchen? Oh, my goodness. It's the whole I think my husband thinks everything is uh, ridiculous. I'm going to show you something right now. So these are things. Uh, May, oh can you you're God. you're the best describer of items. I'm showing something that we use to make huevo helado in Portuguese. It's called flos dobo. May, well, how would you I, describe I said, this? Um, I think that this looks like um, something that a dominatrix would have in. Yeah, I was going to say medieval sex. Yeah, toy. medieval sex toy, right? Um, it's yeah, it's dungeon. It's spiky. It just it looks like it would hurt, um, but then maybe like your wh- whoever you're using it on is going, ooh, give me more pain. 
but there's a lot or of an antique or an <laughs> antique lube um you know applier of applicator oh yeah know, just, i, I totally don't know just I, get I, some oils in there it's <laughs> So this beauty costs 40 euro because they don't make them anymore. This is to make threaded, candied threaded egg yolk, which is very popular in Brazil, Spain, and Portugal. And we use it with sweets and we use it with um, hams and turkeys. But this is really hard to go. It's really hard to go through security with this, guys. So please pack it in your suitcase. Another thing um, that is very hard to get to security is this, is the Cross of St. James. At the end of the Camino de Santiago that uh, all of our Irish listeners seem to love Camino de Santiago, you eat a cake that has a cross, but to make the cross, you need a stencil and it looks like a vampire killer from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is also very hard to get through security. So these are two of my most ridiculous. Um, My brother loves to collect um, samurai swords and any kind of knives or anything. So like he has those kind of throwing stars and that's exactly like ninja what stars. that reminds me of. The oh, ninja stars. Oh yeah, no, it does. Yeah, because he's cool, yeah. obviously. So that reminds me exactly of I those. feel like this is welcome to Blanca's dungeon and she's just sort of yes. giving us a Yeah, show me yours, guys. I hope I hope yours are easier to go through security with. Okay, D, show, show me the money. Okay, so I have somehow over the years um collected a really strange valentine's focused <laughs> or like like heart-shaped focused uh range of utensils so i have i have like i do have to say i have some um crockery that is heart-shaped as well like little kind of ramekins that are heart-shaped i also have this this is a heart-shaped uh frying pan so i recently did just i, did, I recently did uh on valentine's day i made myself fried a double fried egg in there it's cute don't don't go breaking breaking my heart then this is oh sorry this is my other heart shape this is a silicone um cake uh mold which i don't know why anyone uses silicone cake molds can i just say because they're impossible to get the cake out of not impossible but they're just difficult but um so when you the point is if everyone uh to describe it over the over the airwaves is it looks like a flower shaped uh cake mold as in it has like kind of bubbly edges on the end but when you cut a slice if you can imagine you're cutting the top two parts of the heart like the little top of the heart and then you cut so when you so this gives you heart-shaped cake slices essentially is what I'm trying to say and then the last thing is I love miniature stuff so I have loads of mini things um and I have this little mini spring formed for sound effects uh spring formed uh cake there we go pops out like that to make your little mini cakes i love it i love mini things cool you can tell Dee's so in love <laughs> i also have the she'll most- be using that pan to hit marcio in a couple of years <laughs> the, the most ridiculous thing i ever bought was a um an a goldfish egg separator egg yolk separator I just saw it online and I just had to have it I thought it was the cutest thing so it it's a rubber like a silicone goldfish that his mouth is wide open and what you do is you crack your egg into a bowl and you put your little fish's mouth down on the yolk and you squeeze sorry you squeeze the fish first you put his mouth down and when you let go of his belly he sucks in the yolk so it's an egg separator. 
But like, it's absolutely ludicrous. Like the most crazy thing I've ever bought, definitely hands down and not practical because try to get the yolk out of the fish's belly. I mean, it's impossible. So May, your turn. Um, I mean, I didn't bring anything for show and tell, uh, but I was going oh, to say that, God. you know, um, when I moved here, I uh, I moved here with no kitchen equipment and I uh, was I was convinced that I could live off of a good knife, a good pan, chopping board, chopsticks and knife and fork. Uh, that was wrong. But the first thing that I bought uh, was a Madeline pan. And it was because one of my friends, and I had a Madeline pan back in New York, and one of my friends, mm-hmm. you know, had also said, she's like, yeah, it's that, that brings the kitchen together. That makes you feel like, you know, and it is extravagant. I don't know if you guys, you guys know what a Madeline is. I don't is. have one. Yeah. Um, so they are the, so you, they, they look like little scallops. Um, and um, they're basically French tea cakes. Uh, they were made famous by Marcel Proust at the beginning of, um, uh, remembrance of things past because he's dunking a madeleine in lemon verbena tea um and that brings yeah. back all the memories um and they're just really delicious and but it's a super extravagant thing because how many madeleines have i made since i've been here probably maybe two or three batches but i just i feel like i love madeleines yeah. they're so nice and actually, um, I spoke with my good friend, Ali Dunworth, who's also a food writer and food expert and consultant here in Ireland about what her favorite utensils were. So we have that clip now. I probably have an inordinate amount of kitchen utensils um, from years, I think, of accumulating stuff while I worked on cookery shows and sets and in prop departments. You tend to, well, I tend to take a lot of things home to think I'll use that one day. And so I ended up with stuff like I recently got rid of um, a set of six glass cloches that had a little hole in them so you could attach a pipe. Uh, so you could pipe smoke into the food before you served it. I never used them and they were in my kitchen for probably eight years. Like then I have practical stuff like a spatula I love, which is OXO Good Grips, which I think I got on a Nigella Lawson set um, maybe like 15 years ago. And I remember at the time I had no good kitchen stuff. So it was a real treat to have a kind of posh spatula that's still on the go even though it's been damaged by housemates over the years and I usually get pretty annoyed with them if anything happens um, and then there's also a ridiculously heavy pestle and mortar that I took from a set of Market Kitchen a show I loved that I used to work on and nobody else wanted it when we got rid of everything at the end because it was so heavy but I decided I would carry it home and I think I had to walk home with it it was pretty heavy I still have that I've taken it from London to Ireland and are all around to different houses here with me and I still use it every day so yeah I don't think anything I have is useless I think some of it I might not have used very often but I find it hard to get rid of anything if there's a story attached that was really fun um I'm really jealous of Ali's experience in all these cooking uh, show sets yeah, and all the things she's collected and just to see I think it is nice to be around chefs or cooks or in a kitchen and see what other people's obsessions are whether it's food or utensils or I know that like I've been around a lot of chefs who have very particular obsessions with you know they have to have particular knives they have to have tweezers they have to have whatever I think it's just really interesting um or they have to have I I just love that she kept the that smoking dome yes yeah and not just one but she got rid of it (laughs) 10 gloshes yeah (laughs) Yeah, 10 gloshes (laughs) 
<laughs> Talking about chefs, I think we should move on to the male and female world of utensils because it's like we're living in different planets. So I noticed. What's your experience? Yeah, so for Christmas, two of my ma- male friends got sous vide, sous vide machines. Have you noticed? I feel like the sous vide, first of all, it's not going away. People are buying them for their homes. And also, it seems to be a male thing. More so than I was it is such a male thing. I was going to say all the men in my family have sous vide, sous vide machines, circulators. They also have the smoking guns, and they have the um, what is it? The infusers that you use with nitrous oxide that you can use with um, like cocktails and stuff. Like that. My friend Brian, who lives in California, he's a good friend of the podcast. He has all the equipment. But what I didn't realize is that also to make sous vide, you need to buy the ceiling machine. So it's just, you need so much space in your kitchen for it. So I'm sorry, I already have my Thermomix and that <laughs> occupies a lot of space and my Instant Pot that we didn't talk about. Um, have you noticed any but, other examples of male, female? Green egg. Oh, the green egg is male, right? Yeah. It's so expensive. Like how can people just, you're going to use that like, I don't know, in the summer? No, but that's the point. And I think what I've seen here in Ireland, anyway, I don't know what it's like in other countries but with the green egg in Ireland every man that I know who's into barbecuing or grilling has gotten one and but that people are barbecuing in Ireland now like even through the winter and they're you know they're out in their garages or porches or wherever and they're just because they have the green egg they're more inclined to use it also I've seen people do pizzas on green egg you know that's really popular here as well but definitely I only know one woman my friend Claire, who owns a green egg. Everybody else I know who has one is part of the kind of the male grilling, you know, fan fan club. Yeah, I mean, guys are about right. grilling and gadgets, right? Yeah. I mean, it is about, it's about almost overcomplicating things. I mean, I was telling Blanca that our family usually has a cooking competition in Vermont, which is like rural America. And the last time we had it, you know, it was boys versus girls. And the guys, especially the guys coming from California, they nailed all their equipment over. So there were like boxes coming into like our Vermont cottage, you know, full of circulators and, you know, smoking guns. And, you know, it's they couldn't live without it. This is so American, I think. (laughs) The whole gadget thing. Americans will spend so much money. They'll have like popcorn machine, ice cream machine, everything. Um, what are the, what are the I wanted female? to. What are the more female ones? So we've mentioned a lot of male. I can't. The KitchenAid. Oh, yes. KitchenAid. That's like, yeah. like especially the beautifully colored pink ones. Yes. I've noticed a lot of influencers have two or three, like a pink one, a baby blue one. I think that's a real um, kind of female, but also show off uh, piece of equipment in Europe. In America, it's not because it's much cheaper. You can buy it in Costco. I remember before she was famous when Nigella Lawson was uh, still writing for Vogue. Mm. And she did this thing on um, the pretty colors that Le Creuset was, like the limited the limited color Creusets. And we all went out. Like there was one that was white. Um, and then there was one, I can't remember. I think there was one that was pink. But everybody wanted, everyone desired the white Creuset. Oh, yeah. I have loads of female friends who own a full set of Le Creuset. Yeah. Yeah. But it was the white color. Le Creuset, right? as, sorry. Like, as opposed to like the blue and the orange, that like the red. Oh, right. Okay. The white. Like, Nigella was like, oh, here are these like, you know, limited edition colors. Mm. And we all went to the shops. Yeah. 
I wanted talking about male and female. I wanted to talk um, a little bit about Triggerfish Cookshop in Black Rock. So um, Bob Toll opened up a shop where he wanted to attract male customers. So he designed the shop with a famous architect and they won an award for best fit out. And I think when you go to Triggerfish, there's an element of hunting and it's very male. And Bob loves cooking, but hated going to all these cooking shops that had polka dots and uh, little cupcake, uh, like silicon things. So he opened up this shop. He used to live in London with his um, Indian wife. So they came to Dublin and opened the shop. So he's going to tell us a little bit about what he's seen are the latest trends in, in Triggerfish in Ireland um, during COVID. Hello, my name is Bob and I run the Triggerfish Cookshop in Black Rock. And here are my insights into the world of cookware and kitchenware during lockdown. Well, the first thing to say is that Across the board, all of our suppliers have been really struggling to keep up with demand as the world has embraced cooking and baking in a big way. It's been a combination of outbreaks in factories, skeleton staffs, Brexit and competition for transport that have produced shortages on our shelves, particularly for our most popular COVID products such as microplanes, cast iron skillets, loaf tins, chef knives and pasta machines as people have been inspired by the latest cookware trends or just want to get their kids away from their screens for an afternoon. Valentine's Day was huge this year as all the romantics out there raced to produce restaurant standard meals at home. It seemed that everybody was making chocolate fondants in ramekins. It's been a great year for cooking and baking and let's hope this continues into the future because it's great for young people and it's great for society in general. Let's face it, most of us wonder, what if the worst were to happen? What if you got mauled by a bear? What if your stove explodes? What if your partner leaves you? What happens if you're stuck in a studio apartment during a pandemic? What would you do if it's a podcast by Headstaff that lets us indulge in these questions in our neuroses, but also ding ding allows us to have some solutions. This is What Would You Do If? The podcast to answer all of your What Would You Do If? questions. It's Callum and Jess here, and every week we look at how we'd handle different situations. Before finding out what you should do if you're in them. So far we've looked at... What would you do if you saw someone stealing? A bear attacked you. The baby started choking. You were stuck in the lift. You can hear those episodes and loads more on headstuffpodcast.com with a new one every Monday. Well, wow. Yeah, no surprise that baking products are up there. I mean, like everyone has gotten into baking, but I loved that he said that for Valentine's that everyone was buying ramekins for chocolate fondants. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, ramekins. That's so kind of 70s to me or 60s, even though I, I wasn't born, in, I was born in the 70s. But that's interesting that they've made a comeback. I wonder who was posting uh, chocolate fondants online on ramekins. Didn't really see any, but then you know it's a different market, and I suppose you know maybe men were try- as if he is mostly male customers. Maybe some men were trying to cook, you know, a dessert to try and impress, win, woo their lover. I think Triggerfish attracts every type of customer, but I think the knife, he's very heavy on the knives. And also, he has an amazing uh, knife sharpener and knife maker from Switzerland 
who used to do these amazing knife classes. He's probably one of the most knowledgeable people in Ireland about knives. He, he's a fascinating um, person. Um, anyway, so the next one we wanted to talk about, I think the male-female one was, um, we, talk, we touched a little bit on the show-off things, but what are the things that you see that people buy um, that are just being bought to show off? I and I like- know some people are going to think the Thermomix... <laughs> I was going to say that a lot of guys that I know um, spent thousands of dollars getting the proper kitchen uh, stainless steel pans and copper pans. And then they just go, oh, oh crap. Right? Like they're like, what? You know, and I'm like, you know, happy with my Cafalon or whatever. I mean, because and, you know, obviously the reason why kitchens use the the stainless steel and the copper is because they have so much turnover, right? And like chefs themselves go, oh yeah, but at home, we've got nonstick. <laughs> um, but but it was a huge thing in New York, right? Like a lot of the bankers and the techies would just have these just rows, glittering rows of stainless steel and copper pots yeah. that they would never use on thousands of dollars worth. I have definitely seen some rows, some photographs of rows of copper pots on And I would Instagram. say that and a woman... Like a woman, like I know loads of women techies as well. Like a woman would never be so stupid as to do that. No, but women show off their like their plates. I think in Ireland, it's very common to have plates on display, right? So like if you're showing off something, you're showing off your china set or, you know, the kind of, and they're in display cabinets. Like I feel like, well, that's very traditional, I suppose. But like modern kitchens in Ireland people would definitely still have plates and whether it's from traveling the ceramic yeah mm. and whether it's from traveling mm. like some people pick up I feel like their cooking utensils is something uh, there's a trend there of people buying them on holidays you know like to add mm. to a collection of oh I got this in Morocco I got this in Spain I got this in Australia or whatever I do find that that's um I, I once bought an olive pitter if that's the right way to describe it you know (laughs) something that um in canada i bought it that it pops the pip out of um or the seed out of an olive i used to use that's really yeah i still use my like i mean in new york (laughs) like i use my olive oil all the time because it also works with cherries yes yeah yeah um i have one and i've used it very very rarely unless you have a cherry tree i think it's (laughs) but what else it's an expensive (laughs) utensil um i was thinking in ireland one interesting thing and this is not a utensil but i find uh, people who have modern houses with agas, you know, yes. it's it's also very like there's a narrative of oh, you know, I live in this modern house, but I still cook with an aga. Um, I'm trying to think what other Actually, things that's would a really people consider. Point that you brought up because I do feel that the modern people who are building their own houses in Ireland, or sorry, who are doing renovations to a house, the kitchen is one place where they kind of show off a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Like I think they put in you know, granite tops or they put in, it's not a utensil, but obviously it's just a, I mean, well, you use your granite top for, for baking and stuff like that. But, um, but they also put in, yeah, the cooker top can be quite showy, like how many rings you have, whether it has a little uh, heated plate thing in the middle. Um, also, I find that a lot of men I know have the state-of-the-art ovens put in, you know, the digital counter that has um you can select the actual product that you're putting in the oven and how long yeah. to time it for or um I was in one chef the steam oven the steam oven yes the steam oven is definitely showy as well but I do feel like the kitchen 
is somewhere that people are putting a lot of money into to kind of show off in their new houses. Yeah, I think that's a very Irish thing because in Spain, you know, it's just not not the same. The kitchen is a more intimate place where you don't have people, but you do see people spending a lot of money on the little, um, on the door. How do you call the door? Like little knobs. Oh, yes. Yeah. And you're like, what, how much uh, did those cost? Oh, like they're specific, <laughs> yeah, kind of metal or kind of design yeah, or something. Yeah. 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 Like little ceramic, it's, like for the cabinets and things like that. Yeah. Like metal or ceramic. And when you see the price, it's just outrageous. Um, I wanted to just go back to, um, to the male and female, um, element and and just say how um in Spain also the the sous vide and all that is very spanish and we talked to a cooking school cookshop in Madrid that's been around since the 70s we wanted maria yamas the owner to tell us about what are the trends in Madrid and what are people um buying so let's listen to her and then come back and see what what we think hello spice bags i'm an inveterate fan of your podcast they really enliven my walks so I cannot tell you how flattered and excited I was to be asked by Blanca to do a brief audio about the trends that we've seen during the pandemic at the cookware store and cookery school that I run in Madrid, in Spain. So here we go on major trends. Two major trends, back to basics is the first one. And within back to basics, bread has been huge. We've never sold so many proofing baskets, cutters, twirls, and scrapers. There's something primeval, homing, simple, but also really challenging about that perfect sourdough loaf that has grabbed the communal imagination. The second trend within Back to Basics has been quality tools. A lot of cast iron, whether it's the enamel variety like Le Creuset or just uh, the old uh, non-enamel cured variety like Lodge. People want quality utensils, also quality non-stick pans, not those cheaper varieties that warp at the second usage, good knives, good quality graters like microplanes. And then I think the third main trend on the back to basics is clay pots, made by artisans particularly. In Spain, we cook a lot of stews with pulses, lentils with chorizo, cocido, which is um, a chickpea one-pot boil, um, beans with all sorts of stuffs, from clams to chorizo and pork uh, products. And all of those are made traditionally in clay pots, um, which give them a very special flavor and also which are great uh, to get from stove to table so you don't have to wash up so much. So these have been also quite uh, a big comeback. The second big trend has been molecular cuisine, which is alive and kicking. Circulators and sous vide packing machines are now here to stay. Molecular additives have also been quite a big thing. Food siphons, blowtorches and smoking guns. People still want to be playful in their cooking. They want imaginative tools to experiment with and that allow them to give free reign to their imagination and creativity. Then finally, in the school, there's been a new trend. Um, it's croquetas. Croquetas are a Spanish uh, fritter. We, starting doing, we started doing croquetas classes in July when it's very hot in Spain and you would normally not want to be frying in a kitchen but they've been a huge success. 
And I think it's probably because we all love croquetas. It's one of those Spanish things like uh, Spanish omelette that we love since we're kids. And with the bars being closed, they got to be done at home and people want to do them well. I hope that was fun. Uh, a real pleasure to talk to Spice Bags uh, about Spanish tools and Spanish trends this year. Thank you. I mean, first of all, I love um, I love her voice. I find it incredibly. I thought her voice was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she can sell me like any utensil anytime. Um, but I um, I actually found um, her last bit when she was talking about this upsurge of molecular gastronomy, and I feel like Spain is the cradle of that. And I was wondering, Blanca, if you can comment on um, when molecular gastronomy started. You started seeing that in households. I think maybe 2005 with uh, Ferran Adria around there and it became a trend, went away and it's come back with a vengeance. That's so funny because I thought but, uh, that it was kind of gone for good. I didn't realize because everyone's talking about it's so funny that the two things she mentioned in her clip are so polar opposites, like as in back to basics, which is I what I thought the current trend is around the world, that everyone's going back to like everything. And I thought molecular was completely, we were done with that. So it's really interesting that those two polar opposite trends are both back in the running as such. The the most successful um, Christmas ad this Christmas by um, a company that makes charcuterie was ma basically making fun of that trend. It's huge in Spain and people pay a lot of money to buy these uh, you know, ingredients and utensils and women and men. So um, it's very interesting. But you also have a back to basics, traditional cook, like, like Maria said, cook with your pottery, like earthenware, like enameled um, glazed uh, earthenware. Um, so I think those two, it, it might be even in a household that one one person in the house is cooking with, you know, uh, enameled, um, sorry, glazed pottery and the husband is doing sous vide. So I think those two things live mm. together. But um, it surprises me because I don't have time to do that. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, really, I have to do. Yeah, I really, I sorry. really <laughs> hope that molecular does not come back in Ireland. I'm just like, I was so over it. I'm so over. It. I just think it's. Mm. No, no, thank you. Done. It's kind of a I fun can thing. I like it's some simple thing. stuff. It's a fun thing to do also with your family with Christmas. Like someone gets a certification kit and like someone's like, you know, so it's like it's a really it's it's playful. I wanted to ask uh, what were the utensils that defined the countries that you feel associated with with? So D, what do you think are the utensils that define Ireland? If you had to take them to outer space, to Mars? I mean I feel like um, one thing is kind of, I suppose, that's synonymous with Ireland is drinking tea. And I feel like the kettle has to be mentioned. I mean, it's, it doesn't seem like an obvious utensil to mention because we all have one. Um, but I feel like if I couldn't have a cup of tea in space, especially if it was cold there, like I would need my hot drinks, you know. So um, definitely think the kettle is synonymous. I remember my friend... She was one of the first out of my group of friends from home. She was one of the first to build her own house. And um, she put in, um, you know, one of those taps. I can't remember what they're called, but it basically is the essentially the tap is a kettle. Like you have yeah. boiling hot water on tap all day. And I just went, oh, yeah. and we were, we I were want all that. a bit like, I, no, I, don't, I, don't I actually that. quite like it when I go there, but they are quite Ugh. dangerous. But I am. Um, yeah. But when I remember when we all went to our house first, we were just like, because sometimes when you turn on the kettle, 
it's a moment of pause. It's a moment of calm. Because like, you know, everyone, like say, for example, if you have family or friends over when we used to have family or friends over and, you know, everyone would arrive and you'd be like, oh, I'll just put on the kettle. Everyone gets settled. And it'd be like that moment for everybody to mm. kind of like that. If you have to put the kettle on, it means you're asking someone to stop for a minute to take a breather. And now there's none of that. So like in her house, you have a kettle shoved in or a, a cup of tea shoved in your face before you can even like sit down you know it's like no that was too quick I needed time to do other stuff and think about things before I had my cup of tea <laughs> it's the gula 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 sound as well which is very soothing yes like what the kettle makes like as it you know starts like and but I was going to say that in the states you would miss a kettle as well because of the different voltage and so when I go back home I'm just staring you know everyone has a kettle and it takes hours to make a cup of tea oh really yeah it takes so yeah. long yeah Totally. And the, um, in Spain, and, we don't have kettles. And ditto also toasters, I think, here are so much better. <laughs> I have two other little things that I think, well, I think, sorry, just to say, first of all, in the kitchen, I feel like an oven is a very Irish thing. Like you couldn't have, I mean, of course, you'd always have one in a kitchen. But what I mean is so much of our cooking, um, maybe it's like the aga, the traditional stove. You know, we do do a lot of stove cooking. Um and a lot of things, a lot of baking, a lot of things go into the oven in our traditional dishes, like casseroles and things like that. So I think that is very much paramount to the Irish cuisine. Um, but also something nostalgic, uh, two things, I suppose, that are kind of nostalgic. One was that my dad always threatened me with the wooden spoon. And I feel like that's something that we joke about in Ireland, but in you know commentary but I do think that the wooden spoon again from baking and it was always one in a house you could I don't think there's any Irish house without one even if you don't do baking um and for the threatening obviously of children uh, so that was obviously very Irish and the other thing was we always had I've never seen them in any other country but correct me guys if you've heard of them the electric carving knife um we it was I like it was before my time as in it was in the kitchen when I was growing up but it was already stained and old from I think it was the 70s maybe that they came out 60s or 70s um I think possibly Kenwood if not Neff I'm not sure which brand it was on it but it was and it was this kind of so a knife that you it had two serrated uh, long knife blades that interlinked with each other you pop them into this um, kind of like handle that you plugged into the wall and then you pressed it and it just helped you like it was like a um, like what you would use for <laughs> chopping down trees like it's just you know it would serrate the um the the turkey or ham or whatever you were doing but like I'm kind of thinking how dull were the knives that they needed they thought that this yeah. was the only solution like sharpen your <laughs> knife you know what I mean like what yeah my in-laws have one Is that I, I was Irish really surprised though? like I mean I don't do you have them in any other have you heard in of Spain them no I, America may I mean maybe like I feel like that could be like a midwest thing I don't think I grew up with it yeah Amazed, just taking a dig at the Midwest. <laughs> Sorry, or to our Chicago listeners, um, I think it, it probably originated in America. But when I first saw it at my in-laws, I was just shocked. I was like, "What is that?" Yeah. It, it was, yeah, I've never seen it outside. I would say in Spain, there's the 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 typical things we have in Spain in the kitchens are these glazed 
pottery uh, and they're brown and you see them in tapas bars. They're extremely popular. Everyone has one. And we use them normally to make, you know, rice or a little stew either on the stovetop or the oven. But ovens are not very traditional in Spain. I think till recently people stored all their stuff in the oven. Um, now, obviously, with the beginning of baking, uh, people use them more. But traditionally in Spain, we would have fried or baked stuff. Mm. So we would have fried it in olive oil, which is if you think about it compared to Ireland, it's a totally different yeah. tradition. Like, oh, I'm going to have some cookies. Oh, girls, let me fr fry you some donuts or so let me fry no, you. It's, yeah, it's insane. Never, yeah. But because we have so much olive oil, we had to use it. But um, another thing I think, you know, that's world famous is the paella pan. Um, and I find that's probably the most misunderstood dish or misunderstood utensil. We don't really know a lot about the origin. You know, it has two handles. Mm. Some people say the handles were to tie it to a donkey. Um, but with paella, you need different sizes depending on the party that you're serving. So it gets really complicated. I have three of them. And I normally, I find the bigger ones are easier to use. But I would say that would be really... Spanish and then the the ceramic and then of course the pestle and mortar that you see in all if you go to the Prado Museum so many still lives have the pestle and mortar it's everywhere because we used to we, we still make a lot of sauces with bread instead of making French style sauces so it's everywhere uh, but those three I would say I'm May sure are you going to tell us from an American or Chinese <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I, I can't, I can't live without my, is it um, pronounced molajete? My mortar and pestle. My molcajete. Molcajete. In uh, Mexico, in Mexico. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just, it's a real staple for me. Also, like a really ridiculous American thing would probably be a waffle maker. I feel like we all have waffle yes, makers. Yes, that reminds me yes. of America. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then... I think again, like within my own experience, like um, a it would be an Asian American kitchen would be um, these Japanese rice cookers called zojirushi, yes. which mm. like sing a little song. Like they like they basically like the zojirushi is this like tiny. It's adorable. Um, it knows how to make rice better than you do. So even if you're trying to stop it on the cycle, it'll just keep like going on. And then when it the rice is done, um, it sings a little song. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I feel like. Um, that is, and then, um, scissors, uh, which would be, I think that I picked up from Korea, but I'd say that a lot of my Asian American friends have scissors. Like for that's very interesting. Um, okay. And then last, can we recommend some books or cookbooks that are really detailed about utensils where we've learned a lot of information about utensils? Kenji Lopez. Okay. So, oh. No, May has a crush on Kenji Lopez-Alt. Okay, tell us about Kenji. Everybody has a crush on Kenji Lopez-Alt. Kenji has become a verb. You know, how did you, <laughs> how did you roast your chicken last night? Oh, I Kenji'd it. <laughs> That's so funny. He's a, he's a good, I mean, he's very male in terms of, he likes to sous vide a lot of things. Um, and uh, he um, is... He has something called the Food Lab at the website Serious Eats. He has a big book called the Food Lab. Um, a lot of the things that he does are about technique, um, but he sort of he combines almost the male fetish for gadgets with, you know, in my way, like in my thinking, like female practic feminine practicality. Mm -hmm. um, but he will, yeah, he will definitely take you through the immersion. He will also like argue that you know the only good way to make a steak is to like throw it in the sous vide machine, da 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 da. But then he 
like there's a lot of practical things in his book as well. Yeah. I, for me, I would say my I, I used to work in cookery shops and I loved it. It was so addictive because I would get free products and discounts. Um, so there's a book, um, it's out of print, but it's called The New Cook's Catalog. And it's humongous. I'll post a picture online. It's really, really big. And it has every utensil with its history and the history of the brand. And I would say this is something I'd like to read in the bathtub. I can't because it's too big. But um, you can find anything in that book. It has cartoons about utensils. It has interviews with famous chefs. It's amazing. Uh, you can find it on, on Amazon, you know, even though it's, it's out of print. And then another kind of geeky book would be B. Wilson's Consider the Fork, yeah. which tells you the history of all the different utensils. But that, those would be my favorite too. I don't know if I... I, I don't have any kind of... Um geeky geeky books but I have always found um Nigella Lawson's cookbooks to be very thorough in terms of appliances and utensils especially how to eat like her kind of original Hmm. bible I always kind of refer back to that um and even uh, in our own country Darina as well I mean I think she's you know Ballymaloo do very much um kind of drill into you the essential utensils or appliances that you need um I think that's part of the cookery course when you do it there and so any of um Darina's or Rory's um cookbooks are very thorough on that side of things as well so I kind of just tend to refer to those if I'm doing just normal kind of cooking in the kitchen um I was going to say also uh, for Chinese cooking um I find Fuchsia Dunlop yes uh and Fuchsia Dunlop and Barbara Tropp their glossary on sort of Chinese utensils and also um, Trop more than Dunlop has a lot of hacks. Like if you don't have a bamboo steamer, this is what you do, like with like balls of aluminum foil. Okay, guys, I think um, we've run out of time. Thanks so much. That was so much fun to talk about utensils. Yeah, but if we could put a call out maybe to <laughs> listeners and, you know, to get in touch with us. If what we said you thought was absolute nonsense and you're like, no, how could they not have mentioned insert utensil here um or appliance you know like if there's something we didn't mention please let us know um you can contact us on our website spicebags.ie or on our social media instagram facebook we're on all of them um we'd love to hear from you so let us know and we will read out your comments in a future episode If you like what you heard or better yet, have a question or response or comment to anything that we said today, we really want to hear from you. So please contact us at Instagram at Spice Bags Pod. Twitter as well is the same Spice Bags Pod. Or you can email us at spicebagspod at gmail.com. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.